Good morning. Today we bring to you in our podcast series, Leap Forward, the Global Podcast, one of our alumni's capstone projects for sexual violence, Break the Silence by Dr. Sophia Hage, which was then picked up again in Sila Paith by Kumudini David in Sri Lanka, going into the aspect of domestic abuse. And then in Sila 6, Irene Efren and Jerry Venata joined us, uh, speaking on similar topics of sexual abuse and domestic violence. Thank you for everybody for being here. Um, let's start with an introduction. Good morning, guys. It's bright and early, 7.30 in my part of the world. <laughs> Good morning, um, everyone. Good morning. Good morning. Lovely people. Uh, we are very honored to have with us four CELA members who have worked very closely in some capacity with each other on raising awareness on sexual violence. I have today uh, Sophia Hage, Dr. Sophia Hage from Indonesia. She's CELA 3. I have with us um, Kumudini Parara David from CELA 5 from Sri Lanka. And then we have uh, Jerry Venata, who's CELA 6. And then Irene Efren, who's Sila 7. Everybody's from Indonesia except for Kubudini, who's from Sri Lanka. And I'm Aisha, network manager, but also a Sila 2 alumni from Pakistan. Yay! Yay! And on this br very bright early morning, we're going to talk about uh, something that uh, we, we all care about. I think more people care about than are present during this podcast, for sure. But since it was so... Um, capstone project, which was sexual violence, break the silence. Um, and then very soon after in Sila 5, Kumodini had a project for uh, working against domestic violence. And then Irene had uh, a similar capstone on sexual violence. And then Jerry has been very supportive and all this time uh, rallying people and uh, taking this raising of the voice to a more bigger forum. So I'm going to start with Soph, if, if you can tell us about yourself and about Lantara and where you're at. Yeah, thanks Aisha. Um, hi, I'm Sophie or Soph. I'm from Sila 3. I'm a medical doctor. I specialize in sports medicine. And in 2011, um, my friends and I started a, a survivors meeting to facilitate survivors of sexual violence to meet and talk about their experience. And we call it Lantera Sintas Indonesia, which means uh, Lantera is lantern, Sintas is survive. So the lantern to keep you survive. Um, and um, in 2016, uh, after my SILA experience, I launched a nationwide campaign called Mulai Bicara, which translates to uh, let's talk about it or start talking. And it was aimed it is because it still is running. It's aimed to break the silence on sexual violence. Um, now, we started um, in 2016 to go to schools. Um, so uh, we conducted several things. One is a survey 
to understand really the the gravity of the issue and uh, the layers um, about the issue because there was um, little data in Indonesia to um, for us to understand the issue so we started a, a survey to address and to start to understand where the problem is and then from that survey um, we then conducted annual roadshows to schools because we found out that um, Two out of three um, of these uh, survivors uh, actually know their perpetrators. And uh, most often than not, uh, they're actually in their close circle or somebody that they're familiar with. And um, also um, that most of the cases would happen before they reach 16 years old. And so that's why uh, the, the core um, of our activities right now is going to schools and talking about what is sexual violence to kids um, under 16 years old. And we do this annually. Um, in light of the pandemic, we're actually right now um, trying to change or shift the lessons into an online class. And even... Uh, um, uh, making it available for teachers so that they can be uh, the ones delivering it as well. Um, so outside of that, we still do our monthly meeting for survivors. Um, and in 2016, um, when I met Arch and Arch was in my team um, for the Capstone project, um, Arch said that, oh, I, I have somebody in my mind that can bring um, this, this similar campaign and I see a smiling cool. <laughs> 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 um, I, I know someone that I, that I can actually um, uh, talk to to bring this similar campaign in Sri Lanka, in Colombo. And so um, that was how I met Kumu before Kumu even joined Sila. <laughs> and we were talking through emails and stuff. And um, correct me if I'm wrong, Kumu, then you uh, made a concert highlighting the issue um, of domestic violence. Yeah, I did. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to take over. Um, hi, I'm Kumu Duni um, from Sila 5. Um, and as Sophie, Sophia said, that, um, I've been, um, I have been working with... Um, Sophie, well, not as often as I would like, but, you know, um, but we're working on the same thing. Um, what I've been doing is I started off by um, for speaking as a survivor on behalf of survivors because uh, one of the key things that I realized is that it is very difficult for survivors to come out and talk about it unless there is some sort of a momentum started. And well, considering I am loud and I don't really have that much of a compunction in drawing attention to myself, I figured I might as well start it off. Um, and I did. I started talking about my experience of surviving um, child sexual abuse in terms of domestic violence. So uh, that was my experience. Um, and then I... Um, it kind of snowballed into uh, a movement where people started so very close to a Me Too movement where people started talking about the, um, the fact that they've been abused or 
either um, they would talk about it in terms of another you know, second party or third party. There are still very few who would actually come out and talk publicly in terms of what they've gone through, which is something that I think survivors have got to get to that point because it's not just for other others' benefits. It's not just for uh, to protect and um, to prevent and to build awareness. It is also for their own benefit because survivors have to cross the threshold to get to post-traumatic growth. We cannot stay in post in in um, just survival mode. It, it's not sustainable. Um, and to get to post-traumatic growth stage, we have to be able to um, use our past for something better, um, and which is what I am pushing for. Um, so I am into arts and uh, performance, and I use whatever platform that I can to bring light to the situation. I have been working across a number of tiers when it comes to um, stopping violence. So I will. I have worked with um, grassroots level, uh, like what Sophia is doing. I have. I'm also working with the policymaking level, where we're trying to either alter the legal um, words as in the the legal structure to uh, help survivors get through our legal system. The Sri Lankan legal legal system is really, really bad. Uh, badly structured for survivors um, and uh, victims of abuse. Uh, so our reporting structures and everything have got to change. It's really horrible at the moment. Um, there is also the middle tier, which is the parents, the caregivers, the schools, the everyone who, the general public who needs to get more involved. It is uh, trying to get the power of the people um, you know, uh, to, to get them um, talking about it and to actually get activated and to get engaged uh, because without the middle tier, it's very difficult to have any kind of change, which is fantastic as to why, what Irene is doing and what Sophia is doing. Um, we are trying to get a movement like what Sophia is doing in Sri Lanka, but the CSO um, infrastructure and the uh, NGO infrastructure is so very fragmented and they're so competitive right now because Sri Lanka has been lifted from the third world country status to uh, developing country status. And after that happened, the um, funding dried up for CSOs and NGOs and they're all competing for the same funds, the smaller dwindling uh, pools of funds. So we, because of that, the, everything changed. Um, the entire, you know, how we approach, how we're approaching, trying to deal with the problem, all of it changed. Hey, so we are trying, we're trying very hard. But hey, there you go. <laughs> this is what yeah. I am doing. Yeah. And, and that brings um, me to Irene, because in 2016, uh, when I launched a campaign, um, Irene reached out, and I think Irene, you can we can talk a little bit about how we met even before Sila happened, and how that your capstone project is an extension of the campaign. 
So, hi everyone, my name is Irene Finn and I went to SILA in 2019, SILA 6. As Sophie was mentioning, she launched her campaign in 2016 um, after her SILA. So, because it was a nationwide campaign and she engaged various public speakers and artists with their own following, uh, I heard about it and that was about, was it April 2016? Um, April or June? April to June period is a very rough period because I was going through my own issue and like Kumudini had said, uh, in a very uh, post-traumatic state. Um, so because I, that, that I think was something beautiful of itself in that her campaign had already reached out, even if it's one person, even if it's just me, it changed my life. And I think that's a big thing. Um, so I reached out to Sophia because I found out that something, somebody in Indonesia was doing something about this issue and was speaking up publicly and was not ashamed to talk about it. So then we started, um, I think we met over several sessions and I was able to go through my experience with her. And the whole process of uh, sharing openly about my experience, having somebody listen, support, understand the issue uh, was beginning of a healing journey for me. So enter the musical in which uh, my professional expertise and experience is in the performing arts. Um, through the knowledge and the network that I had in performing arts, we created a story in the form of a musical about sexual violence. So there's a lot of aspects on sexual violence that people don't know. For example, um, enabler. Who is an enabler? It's somebody that actually helps the perpetrator to do what they're doing. Without the enabler, it's very hard for one person to just successfully, continuously, sexually violate somebody. There's almost always an enabler that's staying silent, that's letting, they're not doing it themselves, but they're letting it happen. So that's an, an, an enabler. And then there's also the case that it usually happens often. It's a habit. It's not like Kumudini said, somebody, you don't just wake up and decide, I'm going to touch my daughter's breast today, or I'm going to touch my daughter-in-law's tits today. You don't just do that. It's a habit. You've been doing that to people all around you. So um, the power of speaking up then is when you speak up, you trigger other people in that community that's had that experience to also speak up. And together... Ideally, you could rally up for a possible change. That's what we portrayed in the musical. That's what the story was about. And uh, we're very lucky that we were able to pull it off one weekend before the outbreak went crazy in Indonesia. And um, I think throughout the process, um, there are several um, Sila friends that um, has also been a big support. Um, and one of them is actually with us now, Jerry. Jerry! Hi, hey. hi everyone. <laughs> <laughs> so good to see your faces. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I'm Jerry Renata. I'm very lucky to be part of Sila um, family, together with Irene actually, Sila 6 um, in Hanoi. Um, probably as mentioned, I'm not in these sort of like advocacy work in regards to sexual violence against women per se, um, always been an advocate and uh, always been a supporter uh, of tackling the issue and bringing up the conversation to a larger public. Um, probably the closest thing that I've been involved in similar situation is 
yes, on, on, on violence and sexual violence, not necessarily domestic violence only, is uh, during my work and um, ongoing work also actually on advocating the LGBT rights and, um, and also protection against LGBT. Um, in, in Indonesia, um, practically there's no protections against LGBT rights um, and LGBT community. Uh, and the situation is de deteriorated very, very fast since 2016. Uh, that's when the Minister of Education, Research and Technology um, said that there's no place for LGBT in the higher education. And since that statement came out, it's just a free-for-all for anyone uh, to, to publicly uh, prosecute, or not even prosecute, to publicly witch hunt the LGBT community. Um, and the situation just got worse and worse and worse. Um, as you know, once they, um, even amongst the LGBT community, um, trans, transgenders are, are tend to be the most vulnerable one. And when this kind of statement came out, uh, the witch hunt started, whatever uh, employment they can get is out of the window. Um, chances for them to um, live or for housing is out of the window because the, the groups uh, who are targeting the trans women um, are start attacking the property owners or the um, accommodations owners or employers to not employ these uh, this trans women or LGBT community. So what they what happen is they go back to street. They have to uh, they go back to become sex workers, um, and the as you know, once you're out there, the risk for violence is just extremely high. Um, following up on that, um, as reason and and then to top it up, add the um, the COVID nineteen situation happened. And um, when protections are even lower and chances for employment even lower, um, as recent as three days ago, we have a trans woman who were burned alive for petty theft because she is hungry. Um, so that's the extent of violence that's been happening. Um, okay, this is one that we know of that got blown up in the media. I'm sure there are plenty more that's unheard of. So that's the, the concern. I think uh, Kumu uh, mentioned earlier in, in regards of funding for this kind of work has uh, pretty much dried up or diminished because of, rightfully so, because of the COVID-19 situation. And it's not just specifically for this issue. It's for any develop, other development issues, just take a back seat at the moment. Uh, but the risk is their lives in this situation. Some people lose their job, but in the most vulnerable community, they lose their life. Um, that's one aspect of it and on a trans issue. Um, as for the more closer to the discussions we had earlier on domestic violence, um, in, in regards to the LGBT community, people tend to close a blind eye um, when it's two men. Uh, who are uh, violating each other or sexually violent or domestic violence against two men, people tend to think, you know, they're boys. They're used to having this kind of brawl. But that's not um, actually quite right. Uh, and watching the, the musical that uh, Soph and Irene put together, um, 
that is relevant not just between a man and woman actually because I have um, witnessed and actually have a personal experience uh, where you know I, I was part of the domestic uh, I was abused in a domestic violence but luckily I got out quite soon but some of the and then that situation were were portrayed in a musical even though it's not identical but I can relate to it so much because it's not just about two men it's about the balance of power uh, and that's what's really conveyed in the in the musical and really um, opened my eyes like right just because you're two men but if there's a balance of power there that's abuse that's you know uh, and that's what's what happened to me personally and what I've heard for so many people um, within the community so um it's 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 quite um, it's quite such an eye opener, and it's it really is um, quite remarkable. Uh, going back to the COVID nineteen situation and how it deviates from a lot of the work that a lot of the focus that we're doing on the issue. Uh, like I said, I think with the situation of COVID nineteen, a lot of people will be extremely vulnerable because they are losing employment and also they're losing um, place to live um, in addition to the witch hunt. So a lot of people are going back to the closet, um, obviously, for the obvious reason. But like I said, the most vulnerable will be the trans community because they can't go back to the closet. <laughs> it's not an option for them. They're out there. They're visible and people can see. Uh, so that's, that's what's uh, the, the biggest concern right now um, within the community. Um, so, um, to, to, sorry, Aisha, uh, is there another part of the agenda that we want to touch base on or shall we talk? I can't hear you. You're on mute. I'm saying this is a conversation. So we, uh, we'll just keep going. This. Okay. All right. So, so to, um, carry you on, carry on from what Jerry was saying. Um, okay. So, um, when it comes to, um, I think this is across the board, probably the entire region, um, COVID, there has been an uptick of violence, sexual violence, abuse, um, all the different you know, flavors of violence, um, domestic violence has evolved, the numbers have just shot up. Um, and this is just going by the reported uh, cases, right, which is the tip of the iceberg. Most people do not report it. The thing is um, that the people, the abusers are usually, as Jerry said, the ones with power, right? And they are the ones who are usually the breadwinners or the head of the household or, you know, they, are, they have some degree of uh, power, either first year or second year, they are, they are powerful. Um, and these guys are the ones who are getting, you know, they're, they're under stress uh, of either losing their jobs or they're under stress of trying to find food or something. And the minute that happens, they are feeling threatened, the crap flows downwards and the abuse just gets worse for the ones who are getting abused because they are the ones who bear the brunt of it. Um, and as... Irene was saying, yes, absolutely, there are enablers across the board. And the enablers will become even more silent 
because they are all under stress and they are all thinking you know it becomes a um, every man for himself or every person for themselves issue and the victims just keep getting um overlooked some most of the time on purpose yeah to add on to what kumudini is saying um what we found um through the survey that lantao was doing is really at the core of it um the reason why the sexual violence or any kind of violence happen is actually the imbalance of power and um what we see during this pandemic is that this pandemic actually even enforces that imbalance of power because those who are privileged those who have access to um either you know health services money um uh connections um to to be able to thrive not not or or maybe even to be able to uh have some level of power during this pandemic are usually people who um in their own right is powerful and in the situations where they are uh, the abuser um then they would abuse their power even more so um and during this pandemic when people are not going out or there's very limited social uh, connection happening um that's that's actually the key why then um we see a rise in um violence cases happening and also the fact that uh, we see that now people who are being abused are now staying at home with their abusers and um as um as many cases as we see is uh in this case it's 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 really um no matter the the reason why we started the campaign uh talk about it or let's talk about it is because often we find that because the abuser is um really enforcing that balance imbalance of power so even though i i feel as a survivor myself i feel it's not fair to just put the the responsibility to speak up on the survivor that mm. this responsibility to speak up should be in the community should be on people who know what's going on should be on people who has the power to change things um because uh the 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 people who are uh, getting this abuse or getting this violence are really already at a situation where they are helpless and it is actually what the abuser is intending to do so when um they do it again then there is no uh there is no motivation or there's no drive um for the survivor or the victim to actually speak up so that's why um what we want is actually for the society or for the community to take this to a level of action where it's the community or the society that is taking up the responsibility to speak up Uh, that they will speak up for those who cannot speak up uh, yet and uh, in the hope that when they speak up then the survivors can speak up so it's really and especially during this pandemic it's really on us as a community and um as a society to to be able to 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 be aware of these kind of situation and also i think uh, to be ready to take take up you know some kind of responsibility to speak up or to take action um if we know something like this is going on yeah so, um, sorry yeah yeah okay um it, it's really interesting what you just said so um i mean i consider myself not 
completely blind of the issues and um, and how to manage these kind of things. But at the same time, I oftentimes I'm also kind of like confused of like what action to take. For example, like a friend of mine, um, you know, disclosed the situation with me, and I'm happily would like to take it up. And but at the end, they begged me not to do it, and I don't want to break their trust. So when that kind of situation happened, and I'm pretty sure there's a lot of people who are probably less informed uh, about the situation could benefit uh, from the perspectives of uh, the survivor. Because in my case, I was, uh, I couldn't really do anything. I did share with people. I bring it up, but you know, my ex-partner was a, a diplomat with a diplomatic immunity. Like there's no point for me to, I mean, I felt like it wouldn't be any point for me to even raise it up. Um, so, but in the other situations, like what would you suggest for people when, when they're facing this kind of situation where really want to help, but the, 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 the victims is just begging you not to, and you don't want to break their trust? Which one is more important? Well, one, um, and I think uh, the others can add into this, but um, one that I see um, as a pattern um, with cases that Lantara has been facing is that um, it's really about giving the power to the survivor, right? They, uh, the survivor has been in a situation where they are helpless and they are powerless. Um, so uh, the, the last thing that we want is to take the power again from them and report this, right? It, it should come from them because that's really the first step when they take uh, their ownership or their power back again or their control over, over, over um, uh, their actions. Um, and so um, uh, what we usually do is we try to empower them and to, to, to make the survivor realize that it's not your fault because usually we blame ourselves. Like, you know, there's, there, I shouldn't go on, I shouldn't go into this place with that person. I shouldn't have see, said yes. I should, I should have, you know, I should have said something. I should have, you know, so um, uh, it's, it's always, the first thing is one to listen. And then the second is to really understand that um, usually the survivors are in a mode where they're self-blaming and they they think they're really as silly as it may sound. Um, they're responsible to what happened to them uh, and that they allowed it to happen. Um, I, have, um, I have a case example, if I may share a little bit about that. So um, I've gotten a permission uh, to share this case for, the, uh, for this forum and for the listeners. Um, so uh, an acquaintance of mine is a victim of domestic sexual violence by her father-in-law. She and her husband lives together with her husband's parents. Um, this is very classic of a lot of family structures in communal societies. And the father-in-law, her father-in-law is the patriarch. Hello. And um, so what happened was she, this had happened previous uh, months before the lockdown. She told her husband in the situation, her husband was luckily somebody who didn't deny the situation because uh, it had happened before to other people working in the households, but it had never actually happened to a member of the family before. Um, so slowly the ball, the start speaking, even in your own home, the ball started rolling and eventually everyone uh, knew what happened in the household. Now this particular household was um, a family in which the other members of the family live very nearby. 
So they didn't live in the same house, but they were like all next to each other. Uh, what's happening now in the lockdown is a great example of a family really rallying up to support uh, the victim, but also the victim taking power in her own hands. So they all made sure that she was not in the same room with her father-in-law. It was just the two of them. They would make sure that there was other people in the room. They wouldn't leave the room unless um, uh, somebody else was there or unless the father-in-law had left the room first. So, I mean, that's a... I know not many people are lucky enough to be in that situation, um, but that's a hopeful example, something that we can encourage uh, support systems, families, and victims to implement maybe in their homes at this time. Um, would they report him though? They would not. <laughs> yeah. They would not. Yeah. Culture, shame, hmm. lots of things come but into play, they, right? Um, have any of them confronted him? All right. To keep going on with this case. So <laughs> now what happens is they've got, uh, guess who's the confronter? The confronter is a household worker. Somebody that's not in the family system. Somebody that uh, is from somewhere else, a foreigner wow. to the system, confronting and confronting uh, continuously. So it's actually the most life powerful person in the household that's actually speaking up against the old guy. And by her continuously speaking up to him, he, uh, it's a little better in the sense that he's a little bit more like, uh, now everyone knows what I'm doing, so I can't do it as freely and as frequently as before. But, you know, so there's an interesting uh, life situation of how I think, I know that imbalance of power sucks, but power is also an illusion. Pow the powerful is only yeah, powerful is. because we give them power. We so gave so away our power to them. That's why they get more powerful. Sorry? The, we have situations in the West where people call 911. Or, or in UK, they have their own helplines. They're reporting that domestic violence and sexual abuse has gone up anywhere from 20 to 30% per country. And that's only the reported part. A whole part of mm -hmm. it is not getting reported because they're in situations yeah. where they can't get away from the person to actually make the call. These systems are in place in advanced countries like the UK, US, most of the Europe, Australia. What about Sri Lanka, Indonesia, Pakistan, all these other countries where we don't have a proper structured reporting mechanism and then of offering assistance of actually picking up that person and moving her or him to a safe location and then dealing with the perpetrator. Um, I should, uh, so the thing is, we are in Sri Lanka, when uh, I can actually speak about what's happening, um, the, the systems of trying to, you know, the reporting mechanisms and all that, we've been working on improving them but they're still, they're not robust enough to stand up to the COVID-19 situation, right? Because the minute that hit, everything gets reprioritized. Now, you know, in countries like UK, US, etc., where they are sophisticated enough in, in the infrastructure to have struck or have these things already embedded in the infrastructure that they know that they're essential, uh, services, counseling, and all of that, that they need to be there. Those counseling and etc. is deprioritized in countries like ours. 
and because they still haven't been recognized by the powers that be as essential services so it is actually only the bare necessity you know the 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 life and death situation uh, essential systems are the only things that are that have continued thriving and very slowly the others are coming up but still this particular situation um, where call helplines and other platforms that um, victims or uh, can can reach out on they they the support structure for those can't get to their places of you know support or get people to go and help so those are still not working yeah yeah to add to kumudini's statement that would be the same case in indonesia as simple as yesterday uh, an acquaintance of mine was asking um whether she can help um uh, in socializing the hotline number all the or the helpline for domestic violence survivors in indonesia and my answer to her unfortunately was we don't have a helpline specifically for domestic violence we have a helpline for violence against women but we don't have specifically a hotline for domestic violence cases and um that's uh, that is coming back to what kumudini is saying our country has uh, only the bare minimum like the the basic what we have is really all we have and in times of pandemic like this then they get overwhelmed and they don't have the resources that they can to actually yeah, help these things just completely get deprioritized sorry sophia it's yes yeah no i totally agree yeah so in in that sense that's why um i think in these times it's important for us to acknowledge that and to be aware of that so that at least we become active bystanders so again to come back and to circle back to what jerry is asking i think the simplest thing that we can do is uh, be a listener and be somebody who can empower and support uh, a victim of violence and um that essentially is really the most important thing that you can do right now completely um so something that um i think uh, again we um part of taking being an active listener and active person who's there is to actually go out on like say social media and etc and to say i am against um domestic violence i stand for you know uh, there are people out there who need help please call me so the you need to be able to take the responsibility uh of helping someone now um ah, there's something that i wanted to add to what jerry was asking um and sophia i completely agree with you that uh the survivors need to be given the opportunity to step up um and to make to be able to take the power back but there are um situations where um their life is at stake uh and they are it at imminent danger and they're still not able to do it and because they are under stress they're not thinking clearly they're not in a position for anyone to even counsel them and say you need to take the power into your hands sometimes yeah. you just need to step in there and and you know be the obstacle to totally. someone you know because i had to do that i had to do that with my mother in my ex mother in law um my ex father in law was beating her up and i was pregnant and uh, i had to step in and say look 
this is not happening you're going to have to go through me um and he took a knife and said i will kill you if you call the police and i said well you can try he didn't but you know there are there are times when you need to be willing to do that um i know it's a it's a big ask i know it is i i i mean it's it's a uh, big ask that i had to do for myself and then i i completely acknowledge that it is a massive undertaking because you're taking in a split second you have to undertake the responsibility for someone else's life and to keep that person uplifted because i am taking away that person's primary means of support which means i have to be able to bear this person and i mean i i it's not just me stepping in and saying no it's not going to happen then walking away i can't do that because then that per, the the victim is still very vulnerable so i need to be able to be there and help her or him for that matter because there are men who get abused and this is not this is not spoken of i mean in sri lanka <laughs> in sri lanka men are not uh, apparently according to our law men can't be raped they can't go to the police station and say that they were raped because the police will not accept it i went to the police and i spoke to them this is what they said yeah yeah that's <laughs> the same thing in indonesia our law only acknowledges rape if it happens between a penis and a vagina <laughs> yes same I, I, we are trying so hard to get that nonsense sorted <laughs> out it's horrible that is fascinating even in indonesia how what happened if the woman was raped anally would that be considered rape? rape then it's, it's not, not rape. rape that's sodomy yes oh it's, there is another law against that but no, it's not for under rape it doesn't fall under rape it doesn't fall under it, rape it, it's well not given the same see that is what a guy will have we have to go and say as well that they were sodomized so guys he is not given the it, same grave whole conversation on vocabulary but let's go back to the topic because it's frustrating right it's frustrating because then what 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 you see is cases where uh for instance um uh, a female is then uh uh raped by an equipment by by yeah. not by a penis it's not rape and if it's, it's attempted rape, rape it's not rape because what is considered rape in our country is when there is penetration of penis to a vagina and if it's a penis to anus it's not rape it's it's it falls under uh indecent um behavior yes and also Lutex, it yeah. called, there are yeah. two things in sri lanka there are minor offenses and uh, but uh, aggressive offenses or, or grave offenses if there is no physical uh, manifestation of the abuse if there's no 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 marks it falls under minor minor crimes and it's dealt with as a minor crime ah sorry mm-hmm. i'll shut up now so these are these are uh, huge frustrations that yes um, advocates I, and activists worker majority of the people don't even get around to reporting it the oh, majority yeah. of people suffer yeah. in silence we actually have number. yeah we actually have a rough number where in our survey uh, the ones who report is only 7% So what we have right now which is like every um every 2 hours there are three women experiencing violence in the country 
only 7% of the real number. Um, 93% do not report. And even more staggering, 72% doesn't even talk to anyone. So when they filled out the survey, that was the first time that they admit that they actually experienced sexual violence. Because 72% do not tell anyone and 93% do not report. So can you yes. send me the survey that you have? Yes. Maybe yes. I can launch it in Sri Lanka. Yes, we'll do it's, it's very rare, like the story that Irene mentioned about her friend getting support from other family members. It's very rare oh, for yeah. a person to speak oh, up, actually be respected for speaking up. And then everybody kind of shelters that person and protects that person, especially during the pandemic when we have very high spikes in um, the cases of domestic violence and sexual um, abuse. What steps... I mean, we, we, we can't even go visit each other we can't go check on each other like who said okay put it out there on social media you're available but what can you really do can you go to that person you can't go into that person Kumu, and stand in front of the person anymore and say okay i'm here and you're not going to do this yeah very different you and can't i mean uh, an like, outsider can't but a family member someone who's living in there who has been so far acting as you know, um, explicit, implicitly, I can, I, I, I'm not sure how that works, but um, someone who has been turning a blind eye or has been in denial for, uh, up to that point will need to be the person enabler, who stands up. The enabler should yeah. stop being the enabler. Well, I'm, yeah. I'm talking about the majority of the cases that don't get reported, don't get believed, don't get protection. Are there online um self-defense classes are there i mean we have to really rethink support the word support has to have a new meaning now there's the, the, the thing the, is i said the thing is right to for people to use um even self-defense uh, mechanisms or any kind of defense mechanisms the thing with people who've been abused is that they have already that them the psyche has been suppressed right it's it's very difficult so the, one of the first things that the abuser will do is isolate the victim right they will isolate the victim and they will silo that person into you know believing that he or she ca cannot reach out uh, beyond that that their power has been completely taken over and it is I can't tell you how big an uh, um, effort of will it takes to climb out of that hole by yourself. Even if so, there are people out, I mean, if there were people when I was trying to climb out of that hole, if there were people around me saying, it's not your fault, come, let me help you, it might have been easier. Yes, absolutely. I think. Right? But then um, there weren't at that time, and I had to climb out of that hole by myself. Uh, but it, it took an immense, immense amount of will to be able to do that. Uh, and not a lot of people will. Not a lot of people realize that they have that power. So, so it, it all comes down to breaking the silence. I mean, if really people have to speak up. If not, 
the victim herself or himself, then the people around the victim need to speak up, the family members need to speak up, the friends need to speak up, which all, you know, like you said, that the musical came out literally a week before the pandemic. And I believe there's a documentary that's coming out soon. I believe your, your musical is in, is in the local Indonesian language, so we're not going to be able to understand it. But the documentary that's coming out in a week or so, Irene, you muted, so if, if you can unmute and let us know about that. Yeah, we can uh, put subtitles. Yes, get your message far and wide because I think just speaking up, so few started something way back in 2016 and here we are in 2020 and all of us are together talking about the same thing. Under the the umbrella of the pandemic, we have all these other um, violences that the perpetrators are going to take to another level because everybody's too busy with the pandemic. Um, Also, there's always, always hope in the future, right? Uh, Hopefully. (laughs) So even now, there's people with young daughters, with young sons, you're taking care of them, you have the opportunity to spend a lot of time with them at home, you can start them young, start teaching your daughters how to take self defense classes now so that they don't ever have to be in that situation when they get older. Start telling your sons that they should never ever, if they were in a situation like that, then they should be able to protect themselves. If they see somebody, a friend, helpless enough to be in a situation like that, that they should help, that they should never themselves do such a thing. Um, Start, if we if we're a hopeless generation, start with the new generation. Create a stronger generation after us. And also to to reiterate with the younger generation that mental hygiene, being able, be looking after their mental health is absolutely important. It is as important as looking after your physical health. Right? And that, mm-hmm. that's a message that has to get reiterated throughout because... Uh, the biggest breakdown in terms of all of this, the, the abusers and whatnot, is that they were when they needed help, they weren't. They didn't know. Most of them don't know that they need help, which is uh, quite simply because mental health, uh, mental hygiene was is not a topic that is discussed at all most of the time. Um, so. Just that, the fact that, you know, look after yourself, go for counseling. If you are feeling this, this, and this, if you've been exposed to abuse, you need to go speak to someone. That message has got to get reiterated and that needs to start with parents. And it needs to start with me telling my son that if he is feeling bad, then I will make get him to a counselor where he can talk to. And I have done that. Most of the time, children will need, uh, especially teenagers, will need an outside uh, ear to to listen to them because of most of the time they have parents problems with their parents. Oy. So you know, the, but that simple message that they need to, um, if they're having a problem, speak and we will, you know, you'll be, we'll make it happen. We will get someone. Uh, a counselor to come and to, to for you to go and speak to is something that needs to happen across the board in every family. It's mandatory. Because if that goes into habit, if that goes into habit, a lot of the other damaged, um, you know, 
the damages that can happen to psyches the manifestation the negative manifestations of them will be forestalled that's a big break in the cycle jerry do you have any comments at this point we're actually at the point where we need to be wrapping up so and this part will get edited the one that i'm speaking in right now but i actually <laughs> would like all of you to kind of go around and just give closing <laughs> remarks on okay oh i uh start with the others first <laughs> <laughs> so why think... don't you start because you started okay. off anyway <laughs> <laughs> I think um the important thing is to realize um what we can do um in our limited capacity as human beings um and as empowered human beings um so that uh, we realize that we can speak up for those who cannot speak up um we can be an active bystander we can be a support we can be uh, a listener and um and start the conversation start the conversation at home start the conversation with people you know um in in this pandemic we see a lot of webinars happening and a lot of conversations online happening bring this topic online bring this topic as an important topic to discuss within your teammates within your family or within your friend circle um and these conversations and these connections can happen even though we're in pandemic we don't have to see one another but we we know that you get you get me and you you have my back hmm it's a good idea Yeah, me. Sorry. Mm -hmm. Yes. Um yeah. So thanks. I I think I'll I'll actually do that. I have been conducting um well part of the whole voice training experience is also being uh, um a counselor of sorts because you're dealing with the student's state of mind there when you're teaching. But however, I have not yet done any um live things on about you know dealing with abuse so that's something that i will probably do thank you sophie um and yeah leaving yourself out there being approachable being available is very important go ahead i think <laughs> well um i think first it comes back to the individual right so when we individually somehow must be empowered ourselves we have to believe that we have whatever it is uh power within ourselves to do at least one little thing if not for us then for somebody we love then that the next step the next step is the person that we love how can we empower uh people that we love around us to be aware of this situation if we know that they are maybe caught in that situation if you have friends that you think I think they're in a rough spot right now. They might be experiencing something at home. Reach out to them. Even if it's by WhatsApp, it helps. Trust me. It helps even knowing that somebody is listening to you even by text, even by WhatsApp. So that's the next step. Do whatever you can for uh people that you love, your family, your friends, um reach out to them and check in with them to see if they're okay right now at home. So I cheated. of course i let everyone speak so i just i don't need to speak because everything has been mentioned uh, i knew it, <laughs> it, it is, <laughs> uh, well again i don't know what else to contribute but i think um it is it is difficult from the perspective of 
the ally sometimes because as much as we want to care, sometimes we are also blinded and also distracted and maybe not sensitive enough. Uh, so I may be voicing this out to the allies. Uh, make sure that you open your eyes and be sensitive about this. Uh, and you don't have to be there physically, but like what Irene said, just a, a simple token. If Trust your gut. If you feel that something is not right, more most probably, more chances are it is not right. So don't think that you're meddling on certain business because you, actually you can save their life. I guess that's all I can contribute. Well, the, the, the beauty of this whole conversation and the beauty of all four of you is that you all kind of knit into the same um, passion for stopping domestic abuse, sexual abuse, speaking up. Um, and Soph and Irene, you guys went ahead and made that beautiful musical call. And excuse me if I, why don't I get you guys to pronounce it? Bellica. Oh, yes. <laughs> I mean, let's let's say it together. Okay, the musical is called Belakang, Belakang Panggung. I didn't get that. <laughs> I didn't get that either. What? Okay, one, two, three. Belakang, Belakang Panggung. I still <laughs> didn't get that. One person said In English, it means behind the stage. And okay. the documentary on this musical is going to be released as a podcast in a week or two. Um, yes. I have Irene nodding. I have Sophie still staring at me with her smile. <laughs> uh, in a pretty smile. Yes, but that is true, yes. <laughs> the documentary is in English, and we'll be releasing that as a follow-up podcast to this conversation. And the actual uh, play, the stage play, the musical, is at some point going to be translated into English with subtitles and then released. I hope that all of that right. Well, thank um, you. So hopefully, sorry, uh, one, one other thing. Hopefully, we're hoping to try and get uh, the musical performed in Sri Lanka as well. Um, hopefully, express. idea. Seriously, <laughs> so we're trying to make that happen. That can way. I be one of the extras? I'll be like, whatever. I'll be like cleaning up this. I'll be the extras. Please, please, please. You can be a tree. <laughs> I, I promise I will not wear my shorts. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Guys, thank you very much for taking out the time. Thank you for making this so meaningful. And uh, more on the podcast soon. Uh, we're hoping to build a little library before we start publicizing it. We've got quite a few already on there. So if you guys think so, of anything else, feel free to jump in. Let me know if you have any topics okay. you would like to bring. Thank you very much, Aisha. Thanks, Thanks Aisha. Bye. Bye. Thanks, Aisha. Thank you. Thanks, Aisha. Love you, Bye. everyone. Love you too. Bye. 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 Bye.